0: Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba. Blue is the color of the day, Mary. Did not even coordinate. Didn't talk to each other. 22 years together, mind meld, no?
1: Uh, Yes and no. So the past two and a half years that we have been here together for Lessons in Leadership, I have found that the camera does not really react well to a lot of colors. So you're going to be seeing a lot of navy blue, maybe a couple of pinks and grays, but the, uh, the color palette will not extend much past that any longer on Lessons in Leadership.
0: Yes. And um, a little bit later we'll tell everyone who our sponsors are and uh, who makes the show possible. Chris Palladino, our good friend of New Brunswick did not get the blue memo. He's got some red, maybe it's uh, Rutgers. He's in New Brunswick. Who knows? (laughs) Chris Palladino, president of New Brunswick Development (coughs) Corporation, otherwise known as DEVCO. Good to see you, my friend. Great to be back. Good to see you, Steve. Mary? Uh, This is the first time that we've had you um, since certain big things are happening always big things are happening in New Brunswick but New Brunswick but Chris if you could while we put up the Devco uh, website tell everyone what Devco is and why you're so committed to New Brunswick and the surrounding communities
2: well you know New Brunswick Development Corporation is a not-for-profit development company that has you know had a long history of building pro- public private partnerships not just with the government and the institutions like Rutgers and the hospital systems, but um, with the private sector, and basically doing projects that everybody else can't figure out how to do. Um, and we've, you know, we've we've done we've had an extraordinary history in New Brunswick, um, going back to 1976 when I was only 16, so I had nothing to do with starting this place. Um, and you know, we we've we've done a lot of work in Newark, and then currently are finishing a, a, a major project in Atlantic City.
0: Chris, let's do this. We've known each other a long time. Devco is one of the uh, underwriters of our public broadcasting programming. But Chris, one of the things that strikes me about you is that you're a good, quote, deal maker, a good negotiator, someone who, quote, gets things done. You don't do it alone, obviously. But your ability to be persuasive and exercise considerable influence, what's the connection between those skills and leadership?
2: Well, you know, I think leadership in general is the ability to translate vision into reality, and you know how you get there. Um, I think I think what makes us effective is actually really good at being, you know, inside the red zone. We finish, so projects that either are part of our vision or part of our partners' visions that we find a way to um, make them happen and take the vision. Turn it into, um, you know, I kind of use the word innovation from the standpoint of figuring out how to pay for something, how to make the design work. And then it's just the grind at that point. Um, Not saying, not accepting no, uh, just every day pushing the rock up the hill.
0: Mary, before you jump in, Chris just talked about, you know, getting things done, you know, taking vision, turning it into reality, grinding uh, it out. Mary and I in our leadership seminar series have been asking people not just to propose in our seminars, our participants, not just to propose an idea for change, but to, right, Mary, what's the plan? What are the logistics? How are you going to execute it? And they're like, wait a minute, I just came up with a really good idea. Before Mary jumps in, how obsessed are you about logistics? Because people say, oh, leaders got big vision, but you got to get your hands dirty. Yeah, that, you know,
2: that's, that, that does separate, I think, people who um, are true leaders and people who have great ideas. And it's being able to build a team, to be able to build kind of an esprit de corps to people kind of understanding that you have to show up every day. And while everybody's telling you why things can't be done, putting opportunities in place, in place that makes, that makes things reality. You know what, unfortunately, and I think, this goes from either negotiations or, or, or whatever business you're in. Um, if you show up every day, most people quit. Most people try to find the easier way out. And if you don't try to find the easier way out and try to bring something, you know, every day make progress. Um, you know,
0: you, you get to be where you need to be. Hey Mary, in light of what Chris just said, do you you ever notice that I had this in my office?
1: No, I actually, <laughs> I did not. I, I love Chris. Steve always pulls out these props in the middle of the lessons in leadership. And it it amazes me and how many things he could just pull out.
2: Hustle is the same as being relentless.
0: Yeah. I survived another meeting that should have been an email. Um, <laughs> I, hey, Mary, jump in because, yeah, it, you know, it, because Mary and I, Mary quote, gets things done all the time. Yeah, I do. Uh,
1: but... There's a huge but in there, Chris, and I want to hear you talk a little bit more about it. Is the is she relationship- talking about a
0: huge but? She- <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
1: No, I am not. Go ahead, um, Mary. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, talk a little bit about relationship building. All of those things, even with the hustle, even with the grid, even with the not saying no, obviously, I would have to assume that relationships with others, both in and around New Brunswick and Newark and now Atlantic City are super important. Talk about that component of leadership.
2: Well, you know, it's never easy, and it is iterative and it, it it evolves. So you know, in each one of our kind of public-private partnership relationships, um, there was always there were tough times. You know, you were tr- introducing a new way of doing business to usually an organization that's been around for sometimes hundreds of years. It's somewhat threatening at some point because you're you know creating a new creating a new way to do something. But what I've found the best way to build relationships is to be successful is to be respectful. And then certainly I might want to say, share the, 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 success, but actually just give it to somebody else. I don't know how many times I've been to ribbon cuttings and stood in the back and, you know, let your partners take credit. And usually they deserve the credit that they were part of it. But I think it's, it, it really has to do with, it's not easy. You, you have to, you have to earn it. And it's all about trust. Trust in, in almost anything you do in business is probably the most important thing. And to be kind of respected that you are going to uh, be a person or an organization of its word and deliver.
0: Uh, Mary, I'm getting out so of easy. emails from- I'm sorry, Chris. I'm getting a lot of emails of people saying Mary doesn't have enough FaceTime, so follow up, Mary.
1: (laughs) And I I love that you were talking about grit there. Uh, Steve and I have really been talking a lot about grit. There's an awesome book, if you haven't checked it out, by Angela Duckworth. What does grit mean to you?
2: I think grit means to me is to be people who will do anything and everything. You know, I am very fortunate that the people that work for us I would say more than half of them have been here since they were interns in college. Um, and they have all learned to do, there are no prima donnas. Everybody has to do whatever it takes to accomplish our goal. And it's important that I think myself and our other senior leadership um, um, do show by example. So you know what, if it means do making the copy yourself or get picking up the lunch or going out to the
0: field
1: um, to, to Steve's like what? <laughs> you <laughs> mean I on. gotta make my own a cappuccino in the morning? Wait. What?
0: <laughs> wait, wait. You, there are no prima donnas on your team. Well, what
1: if depending. the leader is the prima donna, Chris? How does that how does that factor into anything?
2: <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I said, what if the leader of the organization happens to be the prima donna, and may or may not need someone to help him open his email or make a cup of coffee?
0: Can we edit this out? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm Chris, just joking. Steve has I, learned no, how no, to but do No, The truth things.
0: is, in all seriousness, I've known Chris for a long time. He, he's not a prima donna, and, and some of us are. I resemble that comment. But <laughs> at the same time, Chris, where does you, in, in, in all seriousness, in the minute we have left, humility, yours, you have it in spades. Where does it come from?
2: I think recognizing, and maybe, it's, maybe this is a bit mercenary, recognizing that it's a it's a, it's a good character trait. And that people respect it, um, and that they will kind of embrace you and want to be around you if you or have are more humble. Um, so I think it's, it's something I hopefully picked up a long time ago.
0: Yeah. Doesn't
2: mean yeah. I don't have my moments.
0: I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> one more quick one. Mary and I talk a lot about, and in this new book that uh, we're finishing sometime in 2022. Call lessons in leadership 2.0. What about the tough stuff? One of the things that we call tough. One of the areas that's very tough it's keeping talented people. Real quick, and we've lost some talented people on our team. How do you keep really talented people? It's not easy. Couple of keys. Let I'll let you go on that. Go ahead.
2: Um, well, putting aside compensation for a second, um, because sure like your business we are somewhat limited in 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 what we're able to do with being a not-for-profit i think it's giving people opportunity it's giving up people opportunity to grow to trusting them uh and look the most important thing i think for uh the function of leadership is to produce more leaders not followers and if you give people the opportunity to lead and to have responsibility and to be able to you know, look back and say, well, you know, I really helped do this. It it creates a good work environment. And I'm not sure, like I said before, we, we've got people that have worked I've worked with here for 30 years. Um, so obviously we're doing something right.
0: You clearly are. That's Chris Palladino doing a lot of things right, president over at DevCo. Hey, Chris, thank you, my friend. All the best to you and your team, the great. team at DevCo and keep doing great things, not just in New Brunswick, but around the state. Take care, Chris.
2: Thank you very much. Good seeing both of you.
0: Stay humble. I have to learn about that. We'll be right uh, back right after this in Lessons in Leadership. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, Veolia, Resourcing the World, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856.
1: This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to Stand-Deliver.com. That's Stand-Deliver.com.
0: Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Atabato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine. CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Most people don't think about where their water comes from. But we do. Veolia, more than water, resourcing the world. He's back, Greg Lalavie, business manager General Vice President, International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Good to see you, my friend.
3: Thanks. Thanks. Good to be here, Steve.
0: Good. Hey, Mary, why don't we do this? Uh, Let's just show off with Greg here to let everyone know who sponsors Lessons in Leadership, which also includes (laughs) 825.
1: It sure does. Well, first and foremost, uh, Operating Engineers, Local 825, of course. And I am pulling out my cheat sheet, so I don't miss anybody. Uh, We have Veolia, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, NJ Sharing Network, uh, Seton Hall University and the Pasino Leadership Institute, the North Ward Center, Kessler Foundation, and last but not least, Delta Dental of New Jersey. So thank you to all of our wonderful sponsors, but especially to Greg and his team at the Operating Engineers.
3: Greg, you're impressed? V- very, and, and we're a very proud supporter of this.
1: You're in great company. I think Greg <laughs> may have been the
3: first guest on Lesson
1: Leadership. <laughs> He's I our know. favorite guest. I, I have two favorite That's- guests, Steve. Do you know who they are?
0: It's uh Greg Lalavi. Is it Larry? Nope, it Larry? I love
1: Larry. Actually, I have three favorite guests, and the other one is your sister. I love when we have your sister on.
0: Really, I'm just saying, I do okay. Edit that out. Um, okay. <laughs> hey Greg, uh, real quick, let everyone know that Michelle, I love you. The Northwood Center, the team that my dad started back in 1970, my sister runs Northwood Center today. She is a great leader. With the great Autobahner leadership traits, including very being very calm. Never mind, that's not true. Um, Greg, let everyone know you just reelected to your fifth term as business manager leader of the International Union of Operating Engineers Local Twenty Five. Do you have to run for this as if people are running for Congress, or is it different?
3: Every three years, I have to run like people running for Congress.
0: The keys to getting reelected, because I remember a couple of times ago when you were doing that. You said to me, it's important that we do things all along the way and we have success all along the way. So it makes it very difficult for someone to say, hey, that Lalavie not getting things done. I'm gonna run against him. Go ahead, talk about it.
3: Well, it, it's a matter of doing the right thing. So 7,500 members and their families uh, depend on this organization uh, for a lot of things, their, their livelihood, their benefits, and we just have to make sure that we take care of those people. That, that's our responsibility. And as long as we're, we continue to do that, keep our eye on the ball. Uh, sometimes it means making tough decisions. Uh, we've, we've done that. And as we've hit you know, some turbulence in markets now and, and other turbulent points, uh, we've gotten through them fairly well, which, which is a credit to the decision-making of the team along the way. And uh, we're, we're comfortable with the way we're leading this organization, where we're going, and our core mission, which is making sure that those 7,500 people and their families are taken care of.
0: That's personal for you, isn't it?
3: It's extremely personal. Uh, my father was an operating engineer. And, and as I've said to people a number of times, I wouldn't have anything in my life if it wasn't for this organization. So uh, I feel a, a complete obligation to make sure that the next generation has the same opportunity, they get the same growth, and they have the same type of family life that I've enjoyed both as a child and as a parent.
0: One more quick one, because Mary and I have had this discussion for years. Are the people you work with, a fair number of leaders say, I wanna create a family. I wanna, I'm gonna create a family at work. And my wife, uh, Jennifer has said to me, just so you know, they're not actually your family, meaning when someone we think we're very close to winds up leaving the organization because there's another opportunity or whatever it is, or because they don't want to work with me or clearly it's not about Mary, but in all seriousness, I'll get upset and I'll take it personally and I'll start saying, but didn't I, when they needed help and I was there, she goes, no, you don't understand. It's not your family. It's not personal, but I'm confused by that because I feels personal for me. Is it
3: family for you? It's completely family for me. It's uh, the the 7,500 people and their families are are just intensely important to me and and the outcome of their lives and the trajectory of their lives is very important to me. Uh, When we look at things like our our welfare fund, our medical benefits, you know, you know, some of the troubles people have gone through, you know, who, you know, during the pandemic period. Um, either lost their life or, or lost their spouse or lost a kid or a parent. Um, those things become in, intensely personal because they all matter and, and each one of those things impacts um, me as an individual because I feel that loss and, and um, you know and, and the celebrations also are, are just equally as well when you see people's kids get married. Uh, we have a member whose daughter uh, opened a restaurant in Weehawken and now she's spinning out into a into a, an ice cream place uh, in Hoboken and enjoying a tremendous amount of success. Do you,
0: know the, do you happen to know the name of it? Cause we can plug here on commercial television, you know?
3: <laughs> uh, you know what, off the top of my head, I don't know it.
0: Well, we'll put it in post-production, Mary. We'll put the name on it, okay. But, but why does that matter to you? Why does that matter to you?
3: Well, along the path of her life, she had also, we, we do 10 scholarships a year um, that are worth $2,500 a year. She won one of them one year. So, you know, we were part of her education. We've been part of her life. Um, and when I got the email from her father to celebrate her success as a restaurateur entrepreneur, um, you know, that, that's, that's when you ask about family, that's you know, right. that's what it is. On a random weeknight, I get a fairly long email from a member saying, hey, this organization contributed to this level of success for my child. Uh, it can't be anything but family at that point.
0: Yeah. Speaking of family, Mary, as you jump in here, Greg, did we not have your daughter Morgan with us?
3: <laughs> you did, absolutely.
0: And tell everyone where she is in her career path as we speak in our academic career path.
3: Well, she's a guidance counselor for the Middlesex County Vocational District on their East Brunswick campus. Uh, she did her undergrad work at Monmouth. She got her master's in school counseling at Monmouth. She is in the educational leadership program at Monmouth working on her doctorate. And as of this taping last night, I watched a successful dissertation defense. So August 25th, she will be graduate and be Dr. lalavi
0: Congratulations to Morgan. She was awesome. Go back in Lessons in Leadership and look at that interview with Morgan, it's terrific. Mary, jump in. Hey, Mary, is it, is it, is it family?
1: Uh, It is, it's definitely family, but one thing that's really interesting, and Greg just, uh, just talking about Morgan and what he's doing for the team at Operating Engineers, one thing I would love to talk about, Greg, is the importance of lifelong learning, particularly we have worked together for many years with the Operating Engineers Leadership Academy, where Steve and I are working with many of your talented team members, and I've just had the honor and privilege of getting to know them, especially during COVID when we were doing those during Zoom during that time. Talk about why is it so important as a leader to invest in professional development for your team?
3: The the world is constantly in flux. It's constantly changing uh, around us. It's it's change that we can't control, but we have to acknowledge, we have to talk about it. In the Leadership Academy, we talk about the use of digital Zoom meetings that that have become so prevalent that were not two and a half years ago. Uh, Other communication tactics that, that have, you know, just come into view now with social media and all the different you know, ways that we communicate with each other, all the different ways information gets pushed out or uh, absorbed by people. So it's, it becomes more and more important every day for operating engineers, heavy equipment operators. The, the technology is moving into the machines. That, that's a change we can't control. That's a change that we have to lean into and manage and spin people up in training. So it's it's a constant uh, to need to be a lifelong learner, mm-hmm. to keep the nose to the grindstone, to always be aware of what what your surroundings are, and to understand how things might be changing internally in our organization and externally, and work with that to continue to position our organization the best we can.
1: Yeah. And I have a quick follow-up to that. You always share such outstanding book ideas. Are you reading a book right now? And if so, what is it?
3: Uh, Well, I'm getting ready to start. My next one will be the uh, biography of Coach K by Ian O'Connor. So uh, I'm going to- Mary, I swear I have it. Oh, do not
1: go and grab it. We know you have it,
3: It's in my other room. Let me
1: go
0: get it. (laughs) Ian O'Connor wrote this book. I'm halfway through it. Mary.
1: We Um, believe you have it. And Sylvester- Forget about me.
0: Coach Mike Krzyzewski, t- tell everyone why it's an important book. It's it's less basketball, more leadership. Go, Greg.
3: Well, it's it's all about leadership. And one of the fun facts about Coach K um, that I enjoy, and I'm a North Carolina fan, so celebrating a Duke guy gets tough every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, if you reel back to early in his career, Coach K was an assistant basketball coach at West Point. West Point. At the same time, Bill Parcells was an assistant football coach at West Point, and while their styles may be somewhat different, if you dig down into the substance, the discipline that they both teach and execute, uh, they're very much the same person. Uh, They just stylistically execute it differently.
0: Yeah. um, Mary, let's put the Coach K book in a leadership library, and also Ian O'Connor, who you just mentioned, was a great friend of ours, a sports writer, terrific. He's not only joining us to talk about Coach K, but he also has written extensively about, uh, and Mary and our other series on the public broadcasting side, Remember Them, Mm -hmm. about people who have passed away or are still important. Um, Larry Doby. Larry Doby, the Doby from Montclair, my hometown. here, born and raised in Newark, but I met Larry Doby when I first moved to Montclair, the great, late Larry Doby, the first African-American baseball player in the American League. Ian has written extensively about Larry Doby, um, we'll have them to talk about that as well. But Greg turned us on to this book, Extreme Ownership, and this book, The Cinderella straight. Is this? Is it, are these in your library, Greg?
3: The, yeah, they're both in my library. Pr- proud to say so. They're both great books. Is this in your? Is never mind. No, no, that no, that is in my library, and I'm very proud to
0: have. Greg, you're
3: pandering. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I have four books on, on my shelf signed by the author. I have Your Lessons in Leadership, uh, Governor Christie's Republican Rescue, Governor Hogan's Still Standing, From and, Maryland. I, and Ian O'Connor's book that I'm about to open.
0: Good Mary, see? I know, oh. I told
1: you the book angle. I love learning about new books. So this is very exciting.
0: Hey, Larry, before I let, uh, let, me, before I let you go, Greg, um, this is interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot. Being popular, Greg, being popular, sometimes in one of the chapters, and you know the chapter because in the 825 Leadership Academy, uh, we talk about this a lot. It's a quote from the great Colin Powell, who's also in the Remember Them series as well. Talk, talk, talk about an extraordinary leader. One of the chapters is from a quote, I've said this before, that he shared with me in an interview. He said, great leader, Steve, sometimes piss people off. Translation. What he said to me was that too many of us as leaders wanna be popular and the need to be popular, the want to be popular, we don't make the tough decisions. We don't have the difficult conversations that piss people off so they don't like us. Do you care whether you're popular with your
3: people? Well, that's popularity is, a, is I think a little bit different. So popularity, it's very easy to chase the shiny object. If you think about what a fisherman does every day, he tries to entice a fish with a false premise that this is a a lure or something they'd see. And as somebody in in an elected position, that's a trap. Um, But it's about making the tough decisions, about making the tough calls, um, having the conversation about why you've made the tough call um, and, and not backing down from the decision if it's the right thing to do over the long term uh, you know, very often we get faced with decisions we can make that would be popular, um, yeah. but but in the long term, not do it. In, in my world of dealing with a pension plan, a lot of people talk negative about defined benefit pension plans. We've seen some organizations make decisions to expand benefits over time to a point where then today they can't pay for those very same benefits, and now they're making even tougher decisions. So it's about making the hard decisions. My my predecessors made those hard decisions when others expanded benefits. As a a person out in the field, I would hear the back talk of why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we doing that? 30 years later, I can tell you why we didn't do it. Um, We're not in distress or crisis.
0: Yeah, Uh, as we let you go, Mary and I a few years ago had to change the benefit package around health benefits for our team. And they're like, what? You're not going to pay hundred percent. And I was like, Mary, I don't, I don't think it's the right thing. And I knew that I was not popular in certain homes of team members. It has to be done. Hey, Greg Lalavie, thank you as always. It's, it's been our honor, continues to be our honor to be a part of the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825 25 Leadership Academy. Uh, great team of people looking forward to kicking off in the fall again. Greg, thank you. All the best, my friend.
3: Well, thanks. It was, it was great to be here. We're a proud supporter of this program and very happy uh, with the work that you do in the Leadership Academy. So we appreciate you.
0: Just got a testimonial from Greg Lauer. I love
3: it. <laughs> Greg, Mary,
0: Steve, we be right back after this. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine. Cianj and Commerce Magazine. Hey, listen, we got about uh, really a minute left. We brought in our director, Elvin Badger. Elvin, Al- I heard you say off camera that was a quote, great show, two great guests. What makes great programming, from your perspective? We you got thirty seconds. From my perspective, I just believe that a great program is what when you have a good guest who knows what they're talking about to give you the information that you need in quick, nice, concise sound bites. Okay. Have you directed shows where you're like, is this show ever going to end? I, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Do not put them on the spot to make them say what. The no, I'm not say name any.
0: So I'll just let you know. I, I used to work for a company. Uh, well, I still freelance with them sometimes. It's called Any Productions. And it stands for never ending productions. And a lot of their productions, are just um, it seemed like it never ended. It never ended. It never ended. I would sit there and scratch my head like, what's going on here? What's go? What did it get to the point? Get to the point. <laughs> but this this show moved quickly, and that's part of what makes a good show, right? And it moves quickly because you and Mary know what you, know what you want out of your guests. You know how to ask the right questions so you get the right answers. And we are out hey, of time. So Elvin is directing. Scarlett behind the camera is going like this, which and he's not a cowboy in a rodeo. He's saying, end it. Elvin, thank you. Frank, thank you. Scarlett, thank you. Sylvester on the back end. Uh, Amy. and mm-hmm. April, makeup. I need more work done. All right, end it, Steve. Enough, Mary, it's not about you. We'll see you next time. Lessons in Leadership. (laughs) This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, Veolia, Resourcing the World, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856.
1: This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to Stand-Deliver.com. That's Stand-Deliver.com.
0: Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine. CIANJ and Commerce Magazine. Most people don't think about where their water comes from, but we do. Veolia. More than water, resourcing the world.